0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Coming up on today's future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast, episode 282, I'm going to be joined by recurring guest, a very good friend of mine, Aaron Quinn. Of course, Aaron is co-host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast, a show he does with Greg Thompson. One of my absolute favorite Bills content shows out there today. We got a ton to talk about, obviously. The Buffalo Bills are set to host their first home playoff game since all the way back in 1996. We're going to get you plenty ready for that. We're also going to share some thoughts on all the horrible shit that went down this week in D.C., our nation's capital. Just a a disgraceful series of events, to be honest with you. The world-watching. I can't not talk about it. So we got some thoughts. We'll hit on that. Plenty more. Most of it positive stuff. I'll have Aaron Quinn on for you in just a quick minute. Before that though, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by our good friends over at 26 shirts. So you guys know the deal with 26 shirts. They roll out a brand new Buffalo theme design shirt every two weeks. They sell it for two weeks. And that shirt is tied into a specific charitable cause and they sell it for 26 bucks. Here's the really, really cool part about what they do. For every single shirt sold, every time they sell a shirt, a donation is made to that affiliated specific cause. Since opening up their doors for business back in 2013, 26 Shirts has now managed to raise and donate, get this number folks, over a million dollars, $1 million bucks and counting just unbelievable del reed that crew they do such an amazing job they enrich the lives of so many deserving people so many deserving causes it just is awesome to see and by the way these are really outstanding design looking shirts they're comfy they're sporty they look great i have a bunch of them myself head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause need you this week. Now, on that note, let's do it. Buffalo's got a spirit, talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and hear it, talking proud, talking proud. Feel the life that you share with nice people who care. It's time to tell them all. All right, welcome everybody. How you doing? I'm here right now. You know what? This is a very good start to 2021 for this podcast. Had my man Bruce Nolan on Tuesday. Now it's Friday. I got my man Aaron Quinn from Cover One on back to back. And I'm not just saying this because I got you on, Aaron. I really, truly mean this. When it comes to actual having a guest on that I enjoy, somebody that I like just talking to and shooting the shit whether it's on this podcast or on social media whatever it may be one of my favorites man so i'm very very happy that we're both healthy that it's a new year and that i got you on today how you doing
0: I'm doing great, man, and I appreciate you fluffing me up a little bit like that, because I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm such a regular on this podcast, and the uh, post that you gave Bruce the other day, and I love Bruce, and I agree with everything you said about him, but the post you gave him, man, I'm sitting there thinking, well, what about me, Pat? Come on. So I'm glad you had me on to follow him up. I was feeling a little neglected, so I'm happy to be here, man.
1: <laughs> so how you doing, man? All I can say is this. What, so what are we, seven, eight days into the year, something like that? It's already been quite an eventful start to 2021, man. I, I don't even know where to go uh, first. You know what? Let me go here first because, and look, for everyone listening right now, we will be talking Buffalo Bills. Okay. So don't worry about that. I'll get to that in just a couple of minutes, but couple house cleaning items first. So we're taping this on Thursday evening and just literally, I don't know, an hour or so ago, just got we're talked to my kid and he committed to Clarion University, so he's going to Pennsylvania to play college football. It was a fun process. It was a very difficult process this year because of COVID. A lot of recruiting things were different, unlike anything from every recruiter or coach that we've talked to. That uh, it's ever happened. It was a different year, but and again, it was a it's a hell of a process. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm very happy. Not just because he's going to a pretty good D two program, but also because he's going back up north. I'm I'm not even gonna lie to you. Aaron, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm going to get right to the meat and potatoes of that. Him going up north makes me personally, selfishly, very happy.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it makes him happy too. I I loved his note uh, in his declaration, sort of about the grandparents being able to watch games. That's got to be tough, uh, you know, for family to be spread out and not being able to, you know, witness somebody rising, you know, in in something that they're passionate about. So I'm truly, you know, I've grown you're a friend of mine, you know, at this point, and I'm, I'm really happy for you and your whole family. I know, you know, offline we've talked, I know the sacrifice that it ta- I know the sacrifice it takes, even if it's not for a friend to to be that committed to something and, and a goal for a family, it takes everybody. And so I'm really happy for all you guys. I think that's a really cool thing. And I, I wish him nothing but most success all through it, this experience that he's about to go through.
1: Well, first of all, I appreciate that. And in terms of the grandparents, Um, you're right. So he put out, you know, all the kids do that when they make a commitment somewhere, they type up their little, their little notes or thank yous, whatever you want to call it. You said declaration. Uh, And he did mention his grandparents and you know, the family's tight, especially on my wife's side of the family. I mean, extremely tight and his grandparents are his, like his best friends, his biggest fans. And it, it was a very difficult time when we moved down here you know, all the games down here in Florida are are pretty much on YouTube. So it's not like they didn't get to watch him play, but you know how it is watching a game on the internet as opposed to sitting in the stands is a different story. That wasn't the reason why he ultimately decided to go where he's going, but it it did play a very big factor. It did bother him that his grandparents never got to watch one of his high school games after growing up in Buffalo. But you know what's funny, dude? I remember, I don't remember exactly when, because you've been on the show a ton, but I do remember one chat we had for this podcast, we were talking about our kids because your kids are are young. They're right. just getting started in life. You know what I mean? And I remember kind of ran into you a little bit about how quick it goes. And that at the end of the day, you know, whatever, it didn't matter what college is of going to a, a big college, a tiny college, it don't matter. At the end of the day, I'm just, you reflect on the journey of, of raising a kid, you know, and again, whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's just academics and whatever they get involved in and it, it just goes by so damn quick, man, from Lackawanna little loop to the end of high school now in Florida. And then going back up North now to play football in Pennsylvania for college. It really truly feels like the blink of an eye. You're going to find that out fast enough. Trust me.
0: <laughs> I can't even imagine the four years have just flown off. And I just hear it gets faster and faster uh, as they get bigger and get involved in things That the time just flies by faster. So I'm, I'm really trying to hold on to every moment of it as much as I can. I'm can. i blessed to be able to be a stay at home father and get a lot of those moments. Uh, so that's helpful, but I'm trying to hold on to every moment I can. Cause all I hear from, from people that have done it and are in the process of doing it with older kids, that it just goes by and you just can't get it back. All those moments that where you're sitting, scrolling on Twitter, instead of hanging out with your kids, you don't get those moments back. So I, I try to be aware of that, you know, and, and it's good to talk to people like you that are experiencing it. Cause I I think everybody's right that it does fly by because my four year experience has just flown by even.
1: It it really has. And again, you know, the cool thing is we're we're one step closer to me having bears with you more regularly, maybe in the summers at a a spot downtown where I could get a, a really cheap Bud Light or some shit like that, which I know how much you love that and you can get your very expensive IPAs and your in your craft beers. And this <laughs> pandemic ever freaking ends, man. And wings, man, I'm
0: I was so I'm still a little bit mad I at saw your your last, t- I
1: saw your I saw I saw your Twitter hot take by the way about uh Lebats,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, your buddy Joe Buffalo wins like it. it's one of our f- few common uh denominators where we agree on something but uh Bear, I, I'm still a little bit resentful of your last wing trip up to Buffalo. I, I had to see all those pictures and you talking about all the wings. And I'm just sitting there. My wife, she likes wings enough, but we don't go out nearly as much as I'd like to live in right here in Buffalo for wings. It's more of a special occasion or people coming to travel up to see me. So when you get up here full time and I expect to be involved in some of those wing uh, oh, yeah. episodes.
1: Oh yeah. We'll definitely do some chats at some places, have some wings, a couple beers. It'll be a lot, a lot of fun. You know, it's not a lot of fun this week in general. You know, it just, uh, I don't, I know this is a sports podcast, or I primarily at least, and I know people want to hear sports talk. And I know if you get too far out of your lane, people say you stick to sports. I get all that. But listen, when shit goes down like it went down this week in DC, I, I feel like I'm neglecting my own self if I, I don't at least head on in and talk about it. I don't know. And again, you and I have not had any discussions whatsoever before taping this podcast. I have no idea how you feel about things. I have no idea what you may want to talk about, what you may not want to talk about. But just put in these last couple days. And again, we're taping this Thursday. This went down on Wednesday. I don't know. What's your perspective on, on everything? For whatever whatever you feel like saying. Because like I said, so not everybody... Wants their thoughts out there for uh, the world to
0: know? Yeah, this is tough for me because I I do try to avoid it on Twitter nowadays. You know, we we had that episode where I talked about my sabbatical from Twitter. And at that time, I wasn't sure I was going to come back. I'm glad that I have come back. I've had a really fun season uh, talking Buffalo Bills and enjoying the Bills. It's been one of the few highlights of a 2020 that's been wild. Um, I've got a lot to say, and I won't say nearly as much as I have to say, but I think – Talking about it, even though I agree with this is sports podcast, and people aren't coming to your podcast to hear my takes on anything but sports. I'm surprised if anyone's coming even to hear my. Well, you know
1: what, you know what, well, let, let me cut you off before you get going. That's not completely true. All right, I kind of I misspoke a little bit. People enjoy listening in conversations, and sure. not everything has to be just bills. If it was just bills, with all due respect, you and Greg have a great podcast when it comes to straight Bill's talk, far better than this. So you know what I'm saying? So this no, is how I hear yeah. I, I think show, our best but but podcast
0: was the ladies R and B. So if people want to go back and watch, that's an evergreen podcast that people can talk about, uh, about a female vocalist. So uh, but nice. on this one, this topic, uh, I guess where I'll go is, I think it's, you have to talk about it. I think it's up there with, and this is a hard thing for me to say, I think it's up there with 9 in terms of U.S. history and a moment in U.S. history where you were watching what was happening and obviously not the devastation and the violence of a nine I'm not trying to go there. But in terms of importance, in my opinion, to U.S. history, I think the problem for me is the division that it creates, even in the conversation. I was on Facebook and just... The sides and the arguments are still taking place when I really thought this would be a topic that kind of kept everybody pretty evenly on the same page in regards to that. This was totally, in in my opinion, something that's unacceptable. It should never happen. And you know, my biggest feeling is I'm a person that's all for that act occurring in a certain sense i'm not for why this act occurred in this sense right now i think it's totally unfounded i think having political uh leaders incite this type of violence is a horrible thing i think it's a huge black eye on american history i'm all for if something really bad occurred or there was some real tyrannical dictatorship you know that we had to go throw out let's Charge the Capitol and get them out of there. That's not the case. That was this was not a patriotic event, um, and so it was pretty embarrassing. It was a somber day. I think in my house, just kind of glued to the TV. And I hate days like that where you're just glued to the news for five, six hours trying to figure out what's going on.
1: I probably watched it. I'm not exaggerating here. First of all, I tuned in to watch before the Trump speech. I was already all in all day. I just wanted to see the whole process and how it played out. But you know, I don't write many notes for this podcast anymore, especially when I have somebody like you on, I just don't feel the need to have a lot of notes because we kind of just wing it. And right. I like that. But anyway, I did write down like one or two sentences here about this because I, I don't want to forget it I don't, because it's very important for me to say this. Any rioting, any looting, any vandalizing, any destruction of property to me is disgusting, okay? And I don't care if it was Wednesday. I don't care if it's Black Lives Matter. I don't care if it's Antifa, Mega, I don't care what the organization is or the circumstance. Violent protesting and destruction of property is something I'll never, ever agree with, no matter what, okay? But I'm kind of piggybacking to a point that you at least touched on. Besides the obvious, watching everything play out, which was just horrifying. And thinking to myself, the world is watching this and it's embarrassing. Mm. I'm thinking that, but what hurt me, or not bothered me, I should say the most, was going on social media, especially not so much Twitter, because a lot of people that we follow on Twitter or that sure. we conversate with are, are kind of, at least to some extent, maybe a little bit like us. And besides like just straight Buffalo Bills fans, but like a lot of sports media people. And I think to some extent, you're at least a little mindful of what you're tweeting as opposed to Facebook anyway, for me. So, you know, the people who I follow on Twitter are colleagues and Bills fans and people that entertain me. People on Facebook are personal friends and people that, for the most part, I have some form of personal relationship with. And I did not expect, as this was going on, I should have, but I did not expect to see, and you hit on that division. That's all I saw on Facebook because it, ugh, it, it's, real, it's hard to explain, okay? But here again, prefacing this by saying that any looting, any rioting, any vandalizing, any of that shit is disgusting. I mean, no matter what the organization is, the biggest thing that I saw from Trump supporters, and I'm going to call them out, is a comparison to Black Lives Matter. Well, when the summer was going on and things were burning and cities and riots and this and that, and it kept being a comparison to the Black Lives Matter movement, that frustrates the shit out of me because it, at the root, at its core, Aaron, Black Lives Matter was born out of anger and frustration because continuously unarmed black people are getting murdered by cops, by law enforcement. And I'm not sitting here saying I hate law enforcement to bun, please any of that. I'm not getting into that conversation. I have a great deal of respect for law enforcement. But anyway, my point was that's what that was born out of frustration over unarmed black people being murdered. Okay. This what happened Wednesday was because a fucking pig lost an election. Two months ago, won't accept the defeat, calls it rigged, puts the Constitution on trial, takes advantage of people who are loyal to him. And it, it, again, it's born because out of an election loss, he was unhinged. He completely and utterly incited what ended up happening on Wednesday. So the comparisons between them were making me sick. And I I lost a Facebook friend. I sh- I don't want to say Facebook friend. On Facebook, I lost a friend. I was I've been friends with this girl since literally high school. Defriended her yesterday. Just couldn't take it the conspiracy theories. It's just in rock bottom all time. I don't want to say single day, but these last couple of years have been as bad as it gets. At least as far as I can remember, maybe in the 50s or 60s, racial tensions and stuff were worse. We don't know. We weren't alive before right. when I've been alive this is the worst time of my life when it comes to division and how we treat each other. It's sad.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a tough time. Facebook's a cesspool. Um, terrible. It's a bunch of people that have no business being online that are very vulnerable to disinformation. Uh, all congregate there and just spread it and participate in it, and everybody thinks they're right. Uh, and it's just terrible place. And I haven't lost friends yet. I've devalued opinions of some people that I really care about in my life. Uh, And I'm having a little, there's a little bit of a existential kind of crisis happening in conversations between my wife and I of just some people that I truly care about and are important parts of my life have opinions that are, Right about where my line in the sand is, you know, there's a lot of stuff I can tolerate of opinions that don't line up with mine. And, you know, none of these people, I don't think, are, are bad people. I think they're compassionate and they're personalized. I think they're good people and they're just not intellectuals. They're not smart people and they're kind of just latching on to this. Demygog and this, uh, you know, this whole ideology, and there's no basis of factual information that matters in their arguments, and it's just frustrating. And so I, re- I've taken breaks from Facebook and deactivated my page so I could keep Messenger and stuff. I finally got sick of it, and deleted it. There's nothing, there's nothing good there for me anymore. It's gonna destroy personal relationships for me, uh, and it's just really ruining my kind of enjoyment of what I've got going on in my own life. Uh, It doesn't mean I don't care about all these things and and still don't want to, you know, be, I don't want to be friends with people that are supporting this stuff. Uh, But I just can't deal with it anymore. Like you said, like losing a lifelong friend, uh, it sucks. And to have these types of events be so, you know, you look, I say, you know, you look at a nine 11, like there was no divisive. That is the, probably the one time where this country just came together and, this type of event really should have brought more people together. And I was really sad that we've seen this splintering and this fracturing and divisiveness going on for more than four years. Like Trump got elected because of this split and divisiveness. You know, he took advantage of that and that's how he got elected. So it's been going on for a while, my most of my adult life, but it really came to a kind of climax here with this event and this tension. And there was a chance where it could have brought everybody together And it just has continued to fracture. And for me, that I think that is the most just disappointing thing is we had a moment where we could all come together and said, look, this shit's going too far and we're taking it too far. America's still the best place in the world. Like we're at a better time than we've ever been historically as human beings. Like we need to cut the shit and get together and fix this. Instead, I think we're taking the opposite approach and and I don't know what it's going to take to fix. I think this this ideology, unfortunately, they've let the, you know, the the can of worms a spilled. that you can't put the toothpaste back in the bottle. You know what I mean? Like they, this is spilled out. These people are out there. There's 70 million people, you know, that are on board with this type of ideology. And that concerns me. A week
1: ago, if there's any kind of silver lining in what happened, there's no silver lining short term, but maybe long term. The the silver lining I try to think of is this: if this didn't happen, all these scores of people who think that Trump got ripped off and that there was a conspiracy and that the election was rigged, this doesn't happen. He runs again in twenty twenty four. This pretty much never stops. What right. we just saw now, not the violence; nobody storming Capitol Hill, obviously not that. Just the hatred and the 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 undying unloyal, or I should say loyal support for him. It just doesn't stop. I think this is indefensible. What happened this week? And I think, I think, I don't know. I think people who are not blindly loyal to Donald Trump at this point are off that train. I think they realize it. I think reasonable Republicans, reasonable independents looked at what happened and said that's it you know that's the last straw not just because he has two only two weeks left just that's got to be it i think that's the end of donald trump as as a politician i don't think he has any prayer after what happened no. uh when yeah. again in 2024 i think it's over for him and i think a lot of people a lot of republicans are starting to realize that which of course they're just saving their own ass now. absolutely you know because now if he's not going to be popular not have the power now they're finally going to uh grow some balls, so to speak. Do you know what I'm saying? But absolutely, it's the, it's the extremist. And by the way, on both sides, it's just the extremist that I, I have the hardest time dealing with. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's frustrating. And, and by the way, that could also be, I got, you know what? I, I got a very good friend of mine. I'm not, I was going to call him. I'm not going to call him out. But he, if he's listening, he knows who he is because he's been on this podcast before. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. He's an extremist left and he is spending so much time and focus and energy Just ripping every single person on Twitter that ranges from any kind of, I don't even say racist comment, just something that might seem a little sketchy. Uh, Every politician has something. It's it's just he's spending so much time and focus and energy just hating people back that that makes you no better than them in some ways. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's got to me to the point you were talking about deactivating Facebook. I am honestly considering it, man. I truly. I really am. And I'm categorically struggling on whether to do it because there's definitely pros and cons to it. And I know you know that. We don't have to spend an hour talking about the pros and cons of it. You know what they are. You know, it's great to keep in touch with people. You find out stuff instantly. It's a great tool to promote your podcast. You and Greg have a great show. You know, you use it sometimes for that reason, but it's toxic. I mean, you say it all the time. It is. It's. There's a lot of ugly in people. In some cases, some people that you know for a long time, And you don't know that it exists in them until this stuff, you know, starts to come to light. Not to mention it's consuming, it's addicting. You wake up in the morning and you're checking Twitter before you even go to the bathroom. Right. You know? So I don't know, man. It's it's just really, I don't want to get off topic here from uh, what happened this week. But I I don't know. It's just, uh, and then Thursday night's entertainment as Trump did put out a video, which is kind of funny and ironic, I should say. You could tell how defeated he is and that he was. You know, he finally had to say, he said more things that were comforting about a pandemic and not calling it the China virus in 10 seconds than he did in the last 10 months. Right. I don't know if you got a chance to see the video, yet, did, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's like, you know, why weren't you saying this 10 months ago? You might be not, you might not have a president elect
0: had you conducted yourself that way 10 months. Right.
1: Uh, I, yeah, don't know. I don't t- know. Aaron. I'll
0: tell you, it's been, it's definitely put a bit of a damper on. And otherwise, I was so excited for this week, dude, with Bills and Wildcard and this team so good and all this stuff. And it just really killed the vibe. And I'm ramping back up towards the excitement that I had. But, uh, you know, Greg and I did our preview show last night and we texted back and forth. Like, do we even do this show? Like, people are going to want to hear about it. And I think people did. I uh, I think people were probably happy to get a distraction from you know all that stuff because it can be you know you talked about people getting consumed in it it can be it's really easy to get consumed in and to get mad and to rage tweet and to rage post and to get back and forth and sometimes you just need these distractions like a good football team and for years people have you know I've been in politics and things like that on Facebook in my personal life and organizing that stuff and a lot of the people in those would be like oh sports is stupid what a waste of time and I always told them like you got to have something like that that doesn't really matter, but matters to you enough that gets you excited because whether well, I want the Bills to win more than anything this weekend. But if they don't win, nothing matters. My bank account doesn't change. My mortgage doesn't change. Like my kids' life, nothing really matters about it. And you need something that doesn't matter that you care about in your life because when you care about crap that matters like politics, it has real world impact on you and it pisses you off when it goes wrong and you get mad at everyone and you rage tweet and you do all that stuff. So to have this uh, week to look forward to, I think there, there's a little bit of glimmer of hope in the kind of sad event that we saw.
1: Well, you know what I won't do to you, buddy. I won't, I won't Mike Pence you, man. I won't, I won't throw you under the bus. Like, uh, like Mike Pence got <laughs> tossed under the bus on Wednesday. I appreciate but, yeah. I, yeah, so there is this little thing with the Buffalo Bills having a home playoff game for the first time since nineteen. What is it, nineteen ninety six? Twenty eight years. Oh, in. Jesus Christ! You know, before we talk about that game, though, let's let me ask you this. And and again, you have a more sensible approach. Like it's not that you don't care about the Bills, and it's not that you're not passionate because you very much are passionate about the Bills, and you very much care about the Bills. But you do have the ability to, you know, you don't you don't want to go hang yourself. Probably a bad pun there. If the Bills lose, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. that aside, so this last year, this pandemic, all this shit that's going on, how much has football has football meant to you more this year than maybe other years because of that? I think, and I don't know what your answer is, but I'm, I'm speaking for the average Bills fan. I'm just, I'm having a hard time imagining as shitty as this year has been as a whole, that if the Bills, if there was no NFL season or if the Bills sucked, it would be so much worse. Like the bills have kind of made in some ways people's lives more tolerable because it gives you something to look forward to every week, especially when they're good.
0: Yeah. Uh, so going into the season, I didn't think there would be a season. And so I sort of resided myself to this idea that we weren't going to have football and talked to myself into it being that's okay. Right. Like the world's in chaos this is a huge first world problem for me to be complaining about not having football when all this is going on around us. Once it got here and for me doing the pod and and being part of Bill's Twitter, you know, a small part of that, it meant everything in the world to me. I've had a tough year. We talked about it on that that podcast uh we did about me leaving social media it it hasn't really changed i'm still having a tough year uh with a number of things and football has been really you know outside of my kids i love them and they've been great and it's been great the time we spend here but kind of outside of those things there hasn't been a lot to look out at the world and say oh man this this is all going great that's really a cool story that's a really nice heartfelt moment like there has been really none of that and so for this football team to be as good as they are, to be as fun as they are, to, to have the type of season we've had has just been really fantastic, man. It's been a really good mental space for me. It's been something that uh, I'm a creature of habit. I love all the prep that goes into our show. I love all the prep that goes into the fan side of me of what am I, what are we going to eat for the game this weekend? Uh, laying out my clothes the night before the game, cause I'm pretty superstitious and I wear the same stuff. So all that routine of normal life pre 2020 mattered so much to me over the last 17 weeks. I can't even tell you. And I hope that it continues for another month, not just cause I want to see the bills win a super bowl. Cause that's really all I ever wanted, but because this normalcy of having football back in our lives and having something to cheer for has felt so fucking good. I hate to swear, but it has just felt that good.
1: What what game was it this year where you thought to yourself realistically, okay, I've dreamed of the Super Bowl since preseason, or there was no preseason, since training camp. I've had hopes. They got higher as the year went on. I'm like, all right, well, this seems good. You know, this is not a fluke. What game was it, if you could think of one game where you said to yourself, you know what? If the Bills get to the AFC Championship and they face the Chiefs or whatever, the Titans or Ravens, no matter who it is, it ain't really surprising me all that much anymore. Like, this team has maybe not quite as good of a chance as Kansas City, but almost as good and as good of a chance as anyone else in the AFC. Is there one specific game or one specific moment of a game or something like that where you said to yourself, this isn't no fantasy land anymore. Like, this is very
0: realistic. Maybe the Steelers game, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't know that the Steelers are as good as people had had them hyped going into that game, but it doesn't matter. I think just the way they responded, of that being a kind of a close game at the start, and I still had all these feelings of a Bills fan, like, oh, we're going to vomit this game out on national TV, and they really t- took it away after that Taron Johnson interception. I think that was a pivotal moment, if I had to like pick a moment, that Taron Johnson pick six. And I think from then on, this team has just been – balling straight balling and uh they haven't looked back and i I think that would probably be my game and moment that really yeah this this team can hang they're they're in a team you know and uh, having been on national tv so much in that stretch i watched a lot of red zone and i watched a lot of other teams games which normally as bills fans we don't get to do because we're watching one o'clock and that's when the majority of football games are also happening i I was watching watching around the league and every game i'm watching i'm like pfft Bills can hang with all these teams. Like, There's not a team thats that I'm scared is definitely going to beat the Bills. Uh, And, and so I think all that kind of came together around that time. Yeah,
1: I, I agree 100%. Pittsburgh was my game too. They beat Frisco. What was it? In Arizona that Sunday night before that. And then they had Pittsburgh and they kind of looked shitty in the first half. Well, at least the offense did for sure. Right. And uh, yeah, that a Ron Johnson. I mean, I, I that might even be to play too. 10 and three after that game. And I'm like, why not? Why can't this team get to the, a minimum AFC championship. So when you're watching last week's game, the finale, I'm not saying that we didn't expect the bills to beat Miami. I don't think anyone expected the bills to destroy Miami, Uh-oh. especially considering we didn't even know if the starters, how much they were going to play at all. Right. I thought it might be a little cup of coffee. I, I agree. Now it worked out because nobody really got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, so it's easy to say that now. I didn't think I was not happy at the time. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, get this dude out of the game, man. Yeah. But now I get it. In hindsight, I get it. They wanted to stay sharp. Yeah. Kudos to Sean McDermott, by the way, for that. But anyways, you're watching this game and it becomes apparent they're beating Miami. And you know what the other scenarios are around the league. Um, was there a wonder, what team were you, uh, where did the Colts fall in terms of where you wanted to play? Like, obviously, I mean, I don't have to ask you. Everybody would have said, let's play Miami again. We all Absolutely, want to yeah. Yeah. But like, where do the Colts fall in terms of teams that like, You're wary over teams. that you're like, yeah, I'm I'm not as wary about them as as I am about others.
0: Yeah, so this is going to sound like a little bit of a cop out here and I'm okay with that. People can run in my mentions, but Greg and I talked about it a lot because I think he had some specific teams he was wanting to avoid in the playoffs and in this first round. And I think a lot of people on Twitter, you know, wanted to avoid Baltimore, for instance. I think people want to stay away from that. And my kind of view was a little bit of confidence, but a little bit of the AFC is awesome uh in the playoffs this year and i think each team presents unique matchups in different matchups and i don't know that i any one is preferable to me over the other i think they're you know indy's a super balanced team and that type of balance and, and the way they're balanced scares me like there's definitely uh paths to victory for indy and i got a little bit crushed after our podcast uh here this week Talking about some of those paths and people are saying, oh, you're not confident in the Bills. I still pick the Bills to win. I think the Bills should and will win this game. And I think if they played a five-game series, without a doubt, the Bills would you know, win in advance. But it's the NFL and it's one and done. And there's paths for a seven seed to be. This is an 11-win seven seed. And Tennessee has their own challenges but their defense you know the Bills could definitely put up a lot of points on that defense but they can counter punch and you know obviously Baltimore with Lamar Jackson and so everybody's got their challenges I think in hindsight again if I knew we could face the Browns and they would have this COVID outbreak and not have their coaching staff and all this stuff I think there might be some preference there to play them now this weekend I think I didn't expect that the Pittsburgh Steelers were gonna win round one no matter who they face, but I think they probably will now. Uh but outside of that, if the stuff with Cleveland didn't happen, I think all these teams present a lot of challenges. This is probably the deepest playoffs I've ever seen in terms of AFC playoffs. All these teams you have an eleven win team be sitting in the seven seed, that's wild.
1: Um, I'm, I'm not overconfident about Indy by any means. I'm not over, cause I agree with you. This is, there's no, except for Miami, there was no easy game to me in the first round. There was no way I would have come on. Miami ain't beating nobody. They're not ready yet. And, and no. they got
0: exposed. Yeah. More than the Tyrod Taylor but, bills team. That team wasn't beating anyway.
1: Yeah. They're, yeah, they're the 2017 bills. Right. Absolutely. I've wanted to play Cleveland. I'm just, uh, that's just my personal preference. I don't know I, that because at four o'clock what well, we knew we we're going to play Tennessee or Indy at the end. It was going to be right. one of those two teams. And it came down to that Tennessee Houston game. And I was kind of conflicted because Tennessee's got a much more, in my opinion, dangerous offense because of definitely simply because of Derek Henry, even though they did a good job against him somewhat. The first time they played in mind. AJ Brown's right no football. slouch, man. That's what I'm saying, man. Ryan Tannehill makes a lot of plays with his arm, his legs. He played really good against the bills. AJ Brown's a beast. Corey Davis is no joke, but conversely, I'm like, yeah, but their, their defense is horrible. Yeah, they have to that score 40 is Bad. <laughs> yeah, the they've got to score 40. That's kind of, I don't know how I felt about that. The Colts don't have a lot of superstar players. Although I'll tell you what, Jonathan Taylor is the one guy who does scare me because I've been waiting for him to, to get right most this season. And near the end of the year, he did. You know what I mean? You're talking about a guy who a year from now is probably going to be a top five fantasy football pick. Not that that means anything for the playoff game coming up. You know what I'm saying? But my point is that I think he's going to be superstar running back, but I don't know. It's just, you look at their weapons after T.Y. Hilton, which is, again, he's come on later in the year, but you know, Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman Jr. I like him. He's a rookie. You know, they got 10,000 tight ends on their on their roster. It's just I'm I'm not really scared, but I'm also not too overconfident. What is your take on Phillip Rivers right now? I don't know. What's that guy? He's 39 years old. Yeah. Guy's been around forever. So in a way, it's like, all right, well, you know, veteran guys scared the shit out of you because they've been through this before, but dude can't move right. at all. And I know their O-line's pretty good, but I mean, you get some pressure on this guy. He can't move. He ain't going to beat you running the football. That's for damn sure. It's where Ryan Tannehill can you know, get outside that pocket and and do some damage. I kind of feel like the bills are the bills defense. I think would rather play Phillip rivers and certainly Ryan Tannehill and maybe Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. So if it comes down to the matchup that you want the bills defense to go against, don't you feel like not counting Miami again, that this is probably the matchup they would want.
0: Yeah, probably in terms of passing game. Uh, I, I agree with you there. I think, yes, Phillip Rivers is a vet, but he's also a vet that is a little loose with the football in big moments when he is getting pressure. And we're not talking about Tom Brady here. We're not talking about, about a guy that is constantly pinpoint. I mean, he's still got it. He he's still got those moments and stretches and games where you see the old Phillip rivers who can throw the ball anywhere. It always looks ugly coming out of his hand. He's still got the weirdest release in the game, uh, but he's not the same guy he was. And he has struggled to do it consistently for four quarters. He's still putting the ball in harm's way in moments. And he doesn't have all the interceptions that he should, Uh, you know, PFF talks about those interceptable passes. And I think he probably has more than they've graded him for having after watching him here this year. Uh, but he still can beat you. He can still put the ball 40 yards to some of these guys if the Bills sleep on any of these routes. I think Pittman, I love Levi Wallace, and I've I've been pounding the table for him a lot this year. I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism. He's not a great cornerback. He's a fine cornerback, too, in a defense. He's been in a top I think the Bills are a top 10 defense this year, even though the, the ratings don't say it. In the second half of the year, they've been a top 10, probably six defense in the NFL. He's been part yeah. of that. You you're, you can't be a terrible player and be opposite Trey White, know you're going to get picked on and be totally terrible liability and still be a top 10 defense. Like He's fine. He's serviceable. He's going to struggle against Michael Pittman. Like, that's not a great matchup for him. That's a big receiver. He's a fast receiver. He's everything that mm-hmm. he struggles with. Uh, So there's some matchup issues, but I do think in in terms of the other teams in the AFC that the passing game lines up probably the best for the bills, but I don't think the path to victory for the Colts is in the passing game. And I know that people are talking, you know, well, the bills stink in the run and that's where, you know, they Indy's best and that's where they win. But I think more importantly, where Indy's going to win this game is keeping Josh Allen off the field like that bills thrive on Josh Josh has eighty percent of the touchdowns for this team. Like he, the the team goes as he goes. The model to beat the Bills is keeping him off the field, and that works only if you're putting together seven minute drives with the run game and short passing game.
1: Yeah, you know I'm looking at. And by the way, to quote Bruce Nolan, quarterbacks not a quarterback stat or win and loss is not a real quarterback stat. I'm looking at the playoff record. Philip Rivers five and six, fifty nine percent of his passes completed fourteen. Touchdowns, 10 interceptions, meh. Whatever. I actually agree with you 100%. That is a very big key that's not talked about enough. But the Colts to win this football game, they ain't winning this football game 42 to 38. No. It's not no. going to happen. No way that happens. How it does happen is by controlling the football and limiting opportunities for Josh Allen. And, you know, I'll, I look at somebody like Jonathan Taylor, 30 carries against uh, Jacksonville last week for 253. Damn. But anyway, besides that, last couple of games he's had 18 carries, 16, 20. Then he had 13 and 22, and plus Heinz carries the ball some too. So I, I do. I think you're going to see. And they're in, in the where... short passing
0: game. Philip Rivers loves hitting those guys on the checkdowns. So they're they're those are extensions of the run.
1: A lot of pressure on the defensive line then to kind of generate some uh, some noise up front. You know what I'm saying?
0: So I agree. I think this is a big game for Ed Oliver. Uh, I think there's a big, tall task. We've talked a lot about, you know, everybody wanted the bills to trade for that traditional one technique over the trade deadline. I think the bills run defensive problems have been really exaggerated. Uh, I think a lot of it has been, they've dared teams to run. They are a modern defense set up to defend the pass. And they've said, you know what, we're going to take away the pass and the deep pass, go ahead and run on us. Like that's, we're going to outscore you by so much. Go ahead and waste your time running the football. Really only Kansas City was able to do that with success. Patriots did a little bit in that first game and, and almost stole that game. Uh, but most teams haven't been able to. I think the the problems in the run game are a little exaggerated. When they've had to focus on it, we saw them really totally eliminate it against San Francisco. And that's a great run team uh, with a great run concepts and designs. They pretty much eliminated them in that game. I think when it's a focus, they've done a good job. This indie offensive line is fantastic. This is going to be the, probably the best offensive line the Bills have gone up again. So Ed Oliver's got a big task. He doesn't need to make splash plays, though. I, I don't think fans should expect to see him in the backfield making wreaking a bunch of havoc. He needs to be able to take on double teams, occupy space. Really, Vernon Butler, too. All these guys need to kind of occupy the space in the run game. To not allow these offensive linemen to get into the second level and get their hands on Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, Taryn Johnson, and the cornerbacks, safeties allow these guys to come up and make the tackles. I can live with three to four yard runs. I can't live with multiple 15, 20 yard runs in this game that, you know, take chunks and keep that ball moving and keep them getting first downs. So this The run, the the defensive line, I don't need them to to really make splash plays, but it starts there of keeping Madelano, Tremaine Edmonds clean and allowing them to make plays on on this really good running game. And I think if they can do that, I I think that they can at least contain it. I think Jonathan Taylor's going to get some, he'll get his, but I think if they can contain it to the point where they're getting the Bills the ball back enough, then the Bills can sort of eliminate the run game by the way they're scoring points this year. Cause once they get out to a two to three possession lead, potentially that's really going to eliminate Indy's ability to continue to lean on that. So that's really the path to victory to me is he'll get some, you got to contain him, but try to make enough stops where you can get a cushion because I don't think Indy's going to come back. if, If you get a cushion.
1: Josh Allen was the AFC offensive player of the month. Conversely, DeForest Buckner was the NA, or the AFC defensive player of the month for the right. defensive tackle. I mean, they they got three guys who get to the quarterback between Definitely. Buckner, Justin Houston, and uh and Autry. They got tw- I think, 25 sacks between the three of them. Darius Leonard is a is a good linebacker. It's not like, you know, I know the Bills' offense has done very well for the most part this year against any defense they faced. I'm not saying I don't ex- expect that to be any different against anyone. This is not
0: like a this isn't a chump defense that they're going against either, you know? It really isn't. Buckner can cause a lot of problems. I Another unit that I'm not sold is, uh, is the Bills offensive line. I think they've done well. I think, you know, the no sacks against the Patriots, I think, was a little bit inflated. The Patriots have not a lot of talent in their front seven in 2020. And, and you know, Chase Winovich leading them with sacks, with whatever he has, three sacks, that's an indication that nobody's From their team is getting pressure on quarterback. So uh, that them not getting any sacks in that game didn't do anything for me. I think the run game woes are mostly on the offensive line uh, in Buffalo. and, And I think Josh Allen makes them look a little bit better than maybe they are. I think his ability to extend plays and keep plays open, make it look a little bit better than it is at times. So I think there'll be some of that. They have to get to Josh in order to make that zone defense work. Uh, Otherwise, if he has the time to sit back there and if they're playing the soft zone that they've traditionally played here this season with the wide receivers, I'm expecting Stephon Diggs to be back. Uh, I'm assuming Cole Beasley is going to be good to go. If we have the full slate of wide receivers and the Bills can line up three, four wide and Josh Allen has time, there's no way. I, that this Colts defense can can do it for four quarters. I think they can have nice stretches where, they, where they're able to make some plays and get some hits on Josh. I can't see them containing the passing game for four quarters. Where I get concerned is them maybe not doing what they've done all year, where the bills force them to spread out a little bit, and they have to play a little bit outside of their soft zone coverage, and they're sending blitzes and, you know, They have nothing really to lose in this game. Nobody's expecting them to win. And and teams that have that ability where, hey, no one's expecting us to win. We can do some exotic things that we haven't done before because we're going to just go all in. We're going to go heavy on selling out and trying to make some big plays because we're desperate. We're just going to throw haymakers and hope that it works out. That's where I get concerned with this Colts defense is they throw some stuff we haven't seen. They're willing to take the chances because they have nothing to lose. And even if it backfires and the Bills blow them out, everyone will just say, well, you know, the Bills are the hottest team in football. They, you know, we all expected a blowout, but it might work. And that's why I hate that everybody's picking the Bills and everyone's expecting the Bills to win and come in and blow out this team, because that gives the other side the ability to play a little bit looser and to, you know, go all in a little bit more.
1: You know, as a seasoned veteran of watching many years of shitty Buffalo Bills football, we would always, anytime there was an upset, it would this, the formula is always the same. When you're the inferior team, the formula for an upset is for the team that's favored to beat you, to at least some extent, beat themselves yeah. with mistakes. And that's what opens the door. That's my only real legitimate concern about this game is as good as the Buffalo Bills have been this year, 13 and three, they should be 12 and two, is, I mean, 14 and two, sorry. My only concern is that no matter what they've done during the regular season, this is the playoffs, and it, it feels like it's it's a new season. It's it's brand new, and you got to hope that the, like the second half. I and mean, don't get me wrong, man; he's a worldly different quarterback than he was last year in the second half of that Houston Texans game in in the playoffs. But you got to worry about that. A couple of mistakes early on, you know, a, a bad break, a a deflected pass off Cole Beasley or Isaiah McKenzie's hands into a, a defender. One or two turnovers. Uh, you know, just a couple of bad routes being run, things could change. And the key for the Bills to winning this game, the biggest key is simple: one is don't beat yourself. Make you're the better team; you should win. And again, many years of watching the Bills, it was the complete opposite. You know, hope the other team makes some mistakes, and you can sneak in, and, and you can win the game. I think that's how you you explain it perfect. That's what the Colts, I think, are doing. By the way, one factor, one factor people are not talking about that I think is very important for this game Saturday is the weather. And so far, so good. I mean, again, we're taping this late Thursday night. I'm looking right now, game time, you're looking at 34 degrees when only a six mile an hour wind, no snow. That's good for the Bills. It's kind of funny to say that because it used to be, you come to Buffalo, you want the worst weather imaginable. Not now. You want good weather. Good weather is good for the Buffalo Bills.
0: Oh yeah. You want this passing game to be able to go off sure. a little bit right you, you definitely need that but uh yeah i i think there is a little bit of buffer for this bills team because they can score so quickly so say josh comes out we haven't seen josh in front of fans this year and say he comes out he's a little too hyped he's trying to prove you know get this last year's wild card performance off his back and maybe he's pressing a little bit early on i think that you know he I hate to say it. I think the bills can afford to turn the ball over a time or two and make up for it in their explosive offense later on. Uh, I, th- if there's a team that can come back and win a playoff game, it's either the Kansas city chiefs or the Buffalo bills. Like I think they have the enough counter punch and enough explosion where they can be down 10, nothing and come back pretty quickly and, and take the lead from a team. So, yeah, I agree. They can't turn the ball over and make mistakes, but they do have a little bit of buffer where because they're so good and so potent offensively, it does give them the ability to absorb some of that stuff.
1: It definitely does. My concern would be they have the firepower to certainly come back from a two-score deficit, a 14-point deficit in the second half. Like, it's nothing. They have the firepower, but they haven't had to do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're winning this streak, and I still consider that Arizona game, for, as far as I'm concerned, in my mind, it's a win. Point being is that they've been whooping ass. You right. know what I'm saying? They've been whooping on people. They ain't had to do a lot of, there ain't been a lot of Buffalo Bills comeback this year. Sure. Because they haven't been down that much. Uh, one more Bills related thing, and then we're going to wrap this up. Have you started to resign yourself a little bit to uh I'd say the high probability that Brian Dable is going to be the head coach of another team this year? or Do you still think there's a realistic chance that he ends up staying with Buffalo as as the OC.
0: Yeah, I think it's a coin flip right now, to be honest, man. I think Mm. uh, some of these jobs are not sexy, and I'm on the team mindset that there's so few jobs, and if you want one of them, you take whatever is available. But some of these jobs look real bad right now. Texans' job looks bad. If Deshaun Watson's not there and you don't have first-round picks, I mean, I'm assuming you get a first-round pick and trade for Deshaun but it doesn't look good. This organization's messy. Uh, Jacksonville, yeah, you're going to get Trevor Lawrence, but they're telling you now that Shaq Khan is going to run like personnel decisions and stuff. That's not particularly sexy. The Jets are super dysfunctional. So there's a chance where he goes into some of these organizations and we've heard Leslie Frazier talk about it, that not all jobs are good jobs, right? Like sometimes it's better to sit back and wait. Uh, And I do think that there's going to be some college guys that come out of nowhere and become hot candidates. And, you know, somebody falls in love with that idea of of getting the next guy out of college. That's going to be it. I think it's a coin flip. I think there's enough teams that like Dable where it's totally reasonable to see him gone. I think he's a hot name. I think a lot of the hotness of his name is his agent getting his name out in the media. Every time he's in the media or every time media are talking about coaches, you're hearing his name. One thing I just want to touch on real quick while we're talking about this. I think it's freaking ridiculous that Leslie Frazier is not in these conversations for head coaching jobs. The guy, in my opinion, is more suited to be a head coach than Brian Dable. He's done more while in Buffalo. He's had a top unit almost every year. This year, they had a rough start, but they're back to be in the unit they were. He's done a great job. He's a leader of men. His Minnesota resume isn't as bad as the overall record looks. He took a team that was like a three-win team, turned them around to a 10-win playoff team. That organization was a mess. Coaches do a really good job on their second stint. Sometimes their first stint always isn't good. They go back to being a coordinator, get a second stint. I think it's ridiculous that we put so much emphasis on offensive coordinators and young offensive minds as head coaches. Head coaches are CEOs. Like Sean McDermott's a defensive-minded coach, and look what he's been able to do here. And Buffalo is the most prolific offense. It's it's about finding the right guys underneath you. And I just think it's a shame that Leslie Frazier's not even in any of these conversations. I think it's totally ridiculous. I'm glad because I want to keep him here as long as he can stay here, but I think it's, it's a ridiculous narrative that's out there that – Only offensive minds are hot names.
1: That's a good take. You know, I'll I'll tell you what, I I don't consider it a coin flip right now with Dable unless he doesn't get the Chargers job. If if the Chargers job goes to someone else and Brian Dable doesn't have another job, at that point, I would call it a coin flip. Maybe even a coin flip where the odds are in your favor a a little bit because doesn't it sound like an appealing, doesn't it sound to you, not saying he's going to take it or that he's going to even get offered it, but it just feels to me like that's the great fit. You got it's the, the best quarterback, job on the market. Yeah. The lot a very talented young quarterback. You got Williams, you got Keenan Allen, you got a good tight end in Hunter Henry. You got Austin Eckler, lots of skilled weapons on that football a good, team. A good defense one Yeah. The defense is talented, man. I mean, they were decimated with injuries this year. Right. That's a pretty good. good that's a pretty good job. Yeah. I don't want. I know some people are like, well, they're in the Chiefs division. They're never going to win. Do you think an offensive coordinator is going to not take a head coaching job because who else no, is in yeah, the division? No, no, no. Stop no. it. You know. But if he doesn't get that job, then I'm. I, the odds will change drastically. But
0: yeah, even anyway. after the Bills played LA this year, uh, that was what exactly what I said. I said this job's perfect. For Brian Dable, especially how terrible Anthony Lynn coached that game. I was like, he's going to get fired. And this is a perfect situation for Brian Dable to step yeah. into. Uh, and the GM went to school with him. He right. went
1: to the same high school as the GM.
0: That's a real thing. And I, I do think sure. that that's probably the most likely landing spot for him. And the best job. Uh, he, whoever gets that job is going to look like a genius, in my opinion. But I don't know what direction they're going to go. You know, the Bills didn't
1: have a top five quarterback since Jim Kelly. I mean, Josh Allen's a seventh and we're not talking about Josh Allen, but here was the point I was getting to. They did trade up to get JP Lossman. Um, they did take EJ Manuel with with the first round pick. So we know what expectations are. If you're a Miami Dolphin right now with Tua, um, you're quite clearly, you're not throwing in the towel on him. He's a rookie. You didn't even start the year in a very awkward, weird year, no preseason again, stuff like that. But you cannot deny he was so bad in Buffalo in a game that was a must win game for Miami to get into the playoffs and against the Buffalo defense, man, that no Trey, no, no Addison, no Jerry Hughes. The starters only played the first half. He was horrible in that game. Forget the state he threw for 361 yards. That's phony. He threw three picks. Should have done five. He was just all over the place. Not good. Did he play that bad? And if you're a Miami Dolphin fan going into this offseason, you're you're legitimately concerned and you got a top three pick quarterback could be on the table if they want. I know the GM said, uh, two was our starting quarterback next year. I also heard that in Arizona two years ago with Josh Rosen. So, you know, but if you're a Miami guy right now, what what do you think going in the offseason? Are you really concerned about this being your guy? Or is it more like, you know what? This guy's young and, uh, he's just, he shouldn't have been out there because he wasn't ready yet.
0: Yeah, it's tough as a fan i would be worried i would um it's hard to not to have the patience as a fan i think everybody wants immediate results because you see it happen around the league so often but uh i do think you know you said it earlier i tried to be in my opinion somewhat pragmatic and if i was a fan i would say look i don't think two is as bad as his performance in buffalo I really don't. I don't think he's as bad as Bills fans want him to be. I think he had a really bad year. Josh Allen had a really bad first year. Josh Allen sure. didn't have a great second year, uh, to be honest. And not every quarterback's going to have the trajectory that Josh Allen had. I, I think our friend Bruce talks about how improbable that is. Uh, but that what what we saw from Tua this year is not necessarily who Tua is. He came off a massive injury, terrible massive injury. He probably shouldn't have played this year. I think, you know, people were trying to praise Brian Flores for his handling of this quarterback situation and even calling for him to possibly be coach of the year for how he handled it and I thought he handled it pretty horribly. I didn't like the I don't like this idea of having kind of a reliever. Uh Right, to come right, in. exactly. Yo, if
1: your starting pitcher goes out and gets shelled in a baseball game, you're now five, six, nothing. You're not coming back. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, I get it. I didn't like it. I think it is not good for a young quarterback's confidence. And I know Tua said it didn't bother him, and they said it wasn't it wasn't a problem. But I think this should have been just a redshirt year for Tua, and then you give him a full offseason. Hopefully, we have a full preseason offseason here in 2021. And another part of the problem for Miami is the lack of weapons. A lot of guys opted out and they didn't have a plethora of weapons necessarily to begin the season with. They're not busting out the seams with a potent, prolific offense. Chan Gailey, as much as I like him and what he did in Buffalo, he's not. I think the game might have passed him by a little bit here with the modern NFL. I don't think he's quite there either. So a lot of context and things didn't really line up too great for Tua to have success. And, People can say what they want about Josh Allen's leap. Part of his leap was organizational success around him, putting the right weapons, having a good play caller that works with him over the last couple of years, you know, last three years here to get that right. Like these things take time. It takes the right type of things all lining up the right way. So I think Miami fans should probably have patience with him. I don't know that drafting another early quarterback's the answer, especially if you can get a weapon and, and maybe see if it's something that works. Quarterbacks in the first round are kind of a crapshoot, man. They, they just really are. You look at that 2018 or uh, 2017 draft class that was supposed to be the greatest quarterback draft class ever, or whatever the 2018 one, and uh look who's panned out. It's been Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, and I think everyone else has still got question marks. Baker had a great second half of the year, but there's still questions of whether or not he's really the guy that can win big games. So it, it's a bit of a crap shoot. I think you, you invested in this guy, at least give him an opportunity to have a full preseason with real NFL weapons and see if, if maybe he can do it that way.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It's too early to give up on two after one year. And uh, I think Miami arrived on the playoff scene a year earlier than they, I agree. Than they expected to, I will say this though. If I am a fan, I'm not very happy with Chris Greer right now for passing up on Justin Herbert and taking two at first because I, I, I get it. He's got better weapons. He's, you know, better situation, all that. But I don't know, man. That kid looks really good. No, He does. I don't
0: know. Uh, so so, so I, Herbert, <laughs> though, here, uh, get, if I got a second here, there's a problem that I have in how college versus the pros works because – NFL doesn't have a farm system, right? There's no system that gets guys ready for the pros. And the college coaches and the college game, all they care about, and rightfully so, because it's big money, they just care about winning in their program. They don't really all that much care about preparing these guys for the pro game. And Herbert, I think, was probably one of these – Kind of shining examples of a problem where this guy goes to a system that really doesn't benefit him and is very much just a college system that isn't going to develop a quarterback for the professional game. And that is really hard to scout. I think you saw Draft Twitter had a really hard time pinning down who Justin Herbert was going to be. And I think you saw NFL scouts have a really hard time pinning that down. And we've seen this a number of times uh, with the college game just being so different and so out of the realm of what's happening in the NFL that these guys are really hard to scout and pinpoint. And it's really hard to make that jump into the NFL. And I think being an uh, Oregon quarterback was a disservice to him. I, I think it hurt him and it be made him a really difficult player to scout. And I think that's why, yeah, I, I think it sucks now in hindsight, if you're a Miami fan, seeing that happen, but I don't blame scouts or people for missing that because they really didn't show off his talents in the right way in Oregon to show that he was going to be this type of passer in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I didn't have any idea he was this good until I saw him playing in the NFL. Anyway, I'm going to let you go, but before that, there are other games going on, five of them, in fact, this weekend. You see any upsets? So you got the Rams at the Seahawks, right. Tampa at Washington, you got Baltimore at Tennessee, Chicago at New Orleans, and Cleveland at Pittsburgh.
0: You see any upsets in these games? Well, I don't think it's possible for the Baltimore game to have an upset. I think that one could definitely go Yeah, that's, that's even Steven. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly hate to say it. I said it on our show the other night. I think if there's a game that has the makings of an upset, it's the Bills game. Uh, it's. I'm so mad that we got the two seed in a year where they're having a seven seed and not having a bye week uh, because – the AFC so deep and you let an 11-win team in that's beaten some good teams. That sucks. This has the makings. I'm not saying the Bills are going to get upset. I think the Bills will win. I'm confident that the Bills will win this game. But if there's one that has the makings for it, I think it's that one. I'm thinking the upset is going to be Washington. I think Washington has a chance to beat Tampa Bay, and, and I'm pulling for it.
1: God, I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you're right. Uh, down here in Florida – God, I hope you're right, man. People talk like Tampa is so good. I'm saying it's now and watch three weeks from now they're going to be in the Super Bowl. I don't think they're, they're that good. Completely. Maybe they they I, are they're not, get, they're not
0: that good. Yeah, I don't think they are. They haven't beaten anybody good and not that Washington is uh, but I like a lot of the young talent on Washington. I love the Alex Smith story. Uh, it's been a weird year for them. I, I think it would be a really cool thing if... I don't think they're going to make a playoff run but if they could beat Tampa Bay, I think that'd be a really cool thing for a young team with some young stars that are budding. I think that would be awesome. They have enough talent to make some plays uh, and really give them trouble. I just, they probably can't do it for four quarters, but yeah, dude, Tampa Bay hasn't beaten anybody. I don't think they're serious.
1: Nah, you know, I think they'll probably ultimately beat Washington, even though they're on the road. Right. But I think that story ends after that, whether they end up playing New Orleans or Green Bay the following week, I think that's, uh, that's going to be a wrap for them. Tell you what, I got one hot take to end this because you were talking about the Colts potentially being the the most likely to have an upset. I would, I'm more concerned about playing. Let's just assume that Cleveland does not beat Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh's at home. It's a playoff game. Cleveland's got COVID issues. Their head coach won't even be on the sidelines. Let's just assume Pittsburgh wins that game, okay? That's not a given, but let's assume that happens. Yep. I'm more concerned about playing the Colts this week than I am Pittsburgh next week. I agree. Hundred percent, because I've seen Pittsburgh. I'm not scared of them. No, nope. I don't think what I don't think what happened on Monday Night Football was an anomaly. I think their receivers drop a lot of passes. I think Big Ben is, if he's not washed up, he's so close to being washed up. They got some injuries. I ain't afraid of Pittsburgh. I'm truly, truly not. Um, I'm more concerned about Indy than I am Pittsburgh. Absolutely. Yep, I agree. I'm, yeah, so. We'll see what happens. But anyway, I'll get you back on soon. Everyone, give Aaron a follow on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716 Check out Cover One Buffalo Podcast, him and Greg. So you're doing a, a Sunday night show, or are you doing a show this weekend right after the Bills game? Do you know
0: yet? Yeah, I think we're going to go right after the game. I haven't talked to Greg yet. Last week, we waited till the playoffs were sort of decided, but I, we're not going to know until we won't know until the end of the Pittsburgh game, which would be the night game. So I think we're going to probably go right after the bills game and and go live and give an immediate reaction to how great the victory was. Hopefully
1: (laughs) there you have it at Aaron Quinn, seven one six on Twitter as always, man. Thank you so much for doing the show. I love having you on, you know that. So thank you very much. I
0: appreciate it, man.
1: All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very, very big thank you, as always, Aaron Quinn, Cover One Buffalo Podcast, one of my favorite people to talk to out there today. And I really, truly mean that. Aaron's a good dude, and I just feel like I have this really good rapport with him. It's just really easy to sit down and have a chat with him. I don't got to go over much ahead of time, no fancy pre show notes, none of that stuff, man. We just flow. And have a really good time. So thank you very, very much, Aaron. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really, truly helps me continue to grow this show. You can catch us on all the major podcasting platforms out there. Of course, follow us on YouTube as well. Talk about Flow Podcast YouTube channel. I'm going to start having more and more highlight clips from current and past episodes up, plus some original content that you'll only find on that page pretty soon. So again, talk about Buffalo Podcast on YouTube. Then of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. I am constantly on Twitter, for real. Like, that's where I live now. It really is. At Pamoran Tweets, podcast updates, polls, upcoming guests, sports talk banner, all kinds of stuff there. Look, thank you so much for listening. I end the podcast the same way every time. Because it means a lot to me. It really does. I know how many shows there are that people listen to today. So when you lock into mine, even if it's just for 30, 45, 60 minutes, whatever it may be, that does not go unnoticed to me. I'm very grateful, very humble, very appreciative. So thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Big, big, big football game on Saturday. Hopefully we'll have some good stuff to talk about next Tuesday. I'll
0: catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.